Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm very excited. We have another guest interview today. With me, I have Natalie Boutet for you. She is an experienced family law lawyer, an accredited mediator, and a certified family enterprise advisor. We're going to find out more about that. Who helps legal professionals better understand and work with their clients to enable a less painful experience for separating families. Natalie is skilled at providing unique strategies and out-of-court results to the complex legal, financial, and human matters related to separation or divorce for high net worth families and business owners. She's also a pioneer in the field of neuro life law, the integration of law with the science of the brain and the psychology of negotiation. So I'm already like super intrigued. Um, welcome to the podcast, Natalie. Thank you very much, Allison, for having me. This is great. Yeah. So um, I just... I'm I'm so fascinated by your profession and where the profession has gone and the advice that you're going to give parents that are listening to the podcast. But I just wanted to open by reading a short little line from the opening of a book that impacted me. And this is a book called Tug of War, and it's written by Justice Harvey Brownstone, uh, who is a, uh, uh, a judge. So here's how he opens his book. He says, after more than 14 years of presiding in family court, one question never ceases to amaze me. How can two parents who love their child allow a total stranger to make a crucial decision about their child's living arrangements, health, education, extracurricular activities, vacation time and degree of contact with each parent. 
This question becomes even more mind-boggling when one considers that the stranger making the decision is a judge whose formal training is in law, not in family relationships, child development, social work, or psychology. Right. <laughs> doesn't he make such a good point? Yes. No, I, I totally agree. No, I don't want to say that there's no place for court because sometimes uh, people in dispute need finality. They need someone to tell them what to do if they haven't been able to do that. But the gold standard is not to start there. The gold standard is is to try to work things out as a family unit without intervention of the court. So don't even start a court case, try different methods. And there are many methods. In fact, uh, I'd like to bring in some uh, important uh, development in the law uh, that connects to this question is the Divorce Act has been changed recently. uh, And there's now an important duty of the parties to try a non-court method to resolve their issues. So it has now been enacted in law that people must, if it's reasonable in the circumstances, they must try other methods. So is is that, is that's a federal law then, not provincial? It's a federal federal applicable to all provinces. So for us uh, practitioners who have been advocating these methods years, uh, this is great news and I believe that clients uh, will be stirred in that direction more than before uh, as a result of this this duty, this obligation. So the the clients have an obligation to try if it's reasonable, and the lawyers have an obligation to talk about this with their clients. So let's talk about what are the types of methods that are available to clients. Do, because I, I mean, I'm a divorced woman, did did mediation um, 12 years ago and everything went well and smoothly and thank you. Right. (laughs) But, uh, but things have changed a lot. And I, as a family therapist myself, I I often see families while they're in the process of deciding whether or not this marriage is going to be sustainable or whether we need to end things. And I always recommend mediation. But when you said there's a multitude of things, I thought, oh, I better get up to speed on this because I think I've only told my clients one way. So right. yeah, please enlighten oh, me as to all oh, the options. Yes. i my professional training from you here on my podcast. Very good. Yeah. So the, the spectrum from easier or less costly to more costly would be Uh, one-on-one negotiation. A lot of couples are able to resolve a lot of issues by themselves, but it's not for everyone. So that's the one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is court. And in the middle, there's uh, mediation, which is in cost, very similar to another model called collaborative negotiation. I'll give you the specialties uh, afterwards. So uh, one-on-one mediation and collaborative negotiation. Then on the spectrum of more expensive would be traditional lawyer negotiation. And then in terms of cost would be going to court. Cost and uh, time it takes to get there. So one-on-one is only good if people are in the same emotional space. If everyone is up to speed on the finances, everyone feels okay with within themselves and they can take on these kinds of conversations. I just read this book called Living Danishly, you know, because they're the happiest country in the world and and they're divorced 
And they, you know, you can just download a form and get divorced in like 40, 40 minutes for a hundred bucks. And, and a lot, and they do that. They, they get along really well there and they, right. they you know, it can be done people. That's one way. Yeah. That's one of the. So uh, caution, please. Okay. So um, in the world of divorce, the, there is usually one spouse that is more advanced in the detachment than the other, more prepared. They've gone through the grieving stages of, you know, angry and denial and bargaining. And, and those are the same um, uh, kind of feelings associated with a death. So people, I think, are familiar with that. So if people are not in the same space and the one that's finally, you know, it's been two or three years, they've been thinking about it, they make the announcement and they say to the other who's just hearing about this, but it's going to be good. I'm going to get the house. You're going to get this. You can get the cottage. The kids are going to go there. And that the person who's just hearing it is not able to process that information. So when I say one-on-one can be helpful, not at that stage, not for those people that where one is more advanced than the other. The other types of methods that are really useful, you mentioned mediation and collaborative negotiation. So let me give you some differences uh, and similarities. So mediation is a process where a third party would kind of uh, be the quarterback of the legal process. They would inform the participants of what are the issues they need to think about and they need to resolve. Uh, They would tell them what financial disclosure is required and they would help them to make decisions if they haven't uh, been able to get to an agreement. Uh, There are many types of mediation, which I'll cover in a minute, because I I do want to contrast mediation with collaborative negotiation. Collaborative negotiation, there are always at least two lawyers. And uh, lawyers are trained in a methodology called interest-based negotiation, which is a Harvard law kind of model of negotiation. So highly sophisticated uh, methodology to achieve uh, a result. And they use uh, interest-based negotiation for international trade disputes. And it's very evolved and it's a, it's a methodology and it's uh, quite adaptable to family situations because uh, as opposed to uh, negotiating from position, which is I want the house. No, I want the house. You say, well, my interest is to keep the kids in the neighborhood. Oh, my interest is, is that I can't afford a house in the other neighborhood. And you talk about the interest, the 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 reasoning. So that's interest-based negotiation. Positional negotiation is what well, I want to pay, you know, I want to pay not more than $1,000 a month. Oh, no, I want you to pay me $5,000 a month. And then what do you do from that? Right. So positional negotiation versus interest based negotiation um, is is a new it's, it's a new model. The, the, the new model would be to use interest based negotiation. So in collaborative negotiation, there is that methodology that is very well suited for family disputes. And very often we would bring in other experts. We would bring in financial neutrals and we would bring in uh, parenting neutrals. Uh, And then we would probably farm out all the parenting plan to a social worker. You know, uh, here go the reference to Justice Brownstone's comment in his book that bring in specialists to deal with parenting issues. So send uh, off the parents to work with a parenting expert, come back to the table and the lawyers can help with their expertise and experience if, if if you hit a bump that is not able to be resolved in that way. Same with financials, uh, the, the collaborative process um, very frequently would um, 
would send the parties to collect all of their information with one financial specialist, a neutral person to collect the information. Um, it, it's really helpful if one person is more financially savvy than the other. Uh, if the less financially savvy person would hear the, the, their financial framework from a neutral person, chances are their brain would not be in protect mode or or in fear mode. Their brain would be open to this, this gentle, neutral person communicating information. So there's great benefits to the team in having a neutral person uh, collecting the information and disseminating the information. But it's not necessarily always necessary. Sometimes the lawyers would take on all of these issues if, if families uh, prefer that model. So it's either the two lawyers or, or the team model. So we were in the spectrum. So one-on-one -on -one negotiation, mediation, and collaborative negotiation. I promised I would come back to mediation. So there are many models of mediation as well. Uh, you can have uh, where there's only one mediator uh, and the clients or uh, a mediator and the clients and their lawyers. Uh, and, and people don't know in, at the beginning what model to choose because they don't know enough about what are the issues in dispute. But a, a lot of couples are comfortable enough with the subject matters that they feel they can advocate for themselves and they can participate in mediation and understand the issues. Family law can be very complex. There are a lot of financial issues. There's perhaps corporate issues, tax issues, foreign property, uh, corporations, medical practices. You know, there, there, there's a lot of uh, complex issues and, and some people choose to have their lawyers present in mediation because they really need someone to be their advocate uh, uh, to, to talk about these issues. Uh, so different models of, of mediation can be developed, uh, you know, based on the particular needs of the family. I'm wondering, Natalie, Mike, you know, if, if somebody was going to make a first step, like, so let's right. say they've decided, you know what, we're, we've decided that this marriage isn't going to work, we're going to take it to the next step. And now we need to make a choice along this continuum. Right. Do you go to your, do you find a lawyer first and then hope that they guide you through making this choice? Mm -hmm. or, or are there lawyers who are specifically suited for each of these things? And if you call the wrong lawyer, you're going to get the wrong method. Uh, well, I don't, I want to be respectful to my colleagues. So I don't want to say there's a wrong lawyer, but I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I do believe the population needs to be educated. People should be educated before selecting a lawyer because it makes a difference. Um, you know, in that continuum, the other one that the other process I didn't talk about is one-on-one -on -one lawyer negotiation. And a lot of cases end there because they select a lawyer. The lawyer does not practice in collaborative negotiation, so that choice is not offered. Uh, so they just go on and they say, well, I, I'm, I'm a quote unquote, a cooperative lawyer. So there's a lot of cooperative lawyers out there that would uh, really have an interest in resolving the issue without going to court. The methodologies employed in those two processes, you know, the collaborative process is lawyer to lawyer as well, whereas traditional lawyer to lawyer is two lawyers as well. So clients find it difficult to understand the difference, but the difference is, the traditional lawyers are not trained in that Harvard-based negotiating uh, uh, methodology of, of interest-based negotiation. There was a great book by uh, Julia McFarlane. She's a um, law professor. And her book, gosh, I forget the, the title, but 
the quote is, is that she's done a lot of interviews with clients and with lawyers. And there's a beautiful, magnificent uh, paragraph about what happens to clients when they use position-based negotiation versus interest-based negotiation. And what happens in position-based negotiation is clients are, are encouraged to take a really high position because they say, oh, you're going to get it knocked down in negotiation. So they start with really inflammatory propositions and, and the other person gets more angry and they come back with another really high demand and it makes the other person angry. And it, it's, this, it's this cycle that makes it so expensive and so difficult. And so the approach of interest-based negotiation is completely different. You don't start with a position. You don't say what you want at the beginning. You have a sense of it, but first you collect information. Then you work with your advisors, your lawyers and financial advisors to understand the, the highs and the lows of your, where you're at. You, you have to understand you know, where the law falls in your case, but then you talk about what's important to you. And then you build from there. It's completely different atmosphere, even though those two models are lawyer to lawyer. And so, and I'm so curious about your, so in your bio here, the family enterprise advisor and the neuro family law. So clearly there's a ton of research and training that can be had out there. Like, can you just say a yeah. little bit about those two? Yeah, definitely. So my, I have a, I've been teaching, um, neuro family law for probably 10 years now. And uh, what what's really interesting is uh, how the brain works when people are in conflict. So a, conf so a, a separation would have people be triggered in many ways. They would be uh, afraid uh, of losing perhaps a connection with their children. They would be afraid of not having enough money or paying too much, or they would be afraid that they have to leave their house and move to another neighborhood. Uh, there might be other things going on in their life. Maybe their job is not that stable. Maybe, you know, there's so many stressors. How are their kids going to react to the separation? So, so a, a triggered brain is not uh, working uh, cognitively the way it should. So uh, the prefrontal cortex is where we make decision and we evaluate things. And there are a lot of research that show that your ability to evaluate and, and decide shuts down when you're emotional, when you're triggered, because we're, we're uh, uh, biological beings and when we're in fear, we're in survival, right? So in the olden days, uh, if you're in the forest and you hear a noise, you're gonna, you're gonna run to save your life. Your brain is gonna have you be so fast and you're gonna, uh, have more adrenaline in your body. You're going to have more uh, blood going through your muscles to make you stronger. Your pupils are going to dilate so you can see better. Like those biological changes in your body happen every day in our lives. So imagine you're negotiating and the lawyers are not aware of this, this, this physiological thing that happens in your body when their clients are triggered. And they keep on talking. Like we all know when a person is somewhere else, you can see it in their eyes, they're blank, they're, they're, they're somewhere else. So I train lawyers to recognize that physiology and all of the stressors that the clients are going through when they separate. And for us to slow down, 
for us to recognize this person is triggered. This is very, very difficult for this person. How are we going to help this person? So there are, uh, you know, there, there are things to do. You can either take a break for the adrenaline to, to, to dissipate. You can name, you can ask the person to name what's going on. So naming uh, is a, a higher function, executive function and it, it re-engages your prefrontal cortex and, and kind of shuts down the emotion. It's a known psychological tool to help people. So, Right. So, so give me, give me an actual, if you were asked, if I was a client in front of you and you could see that my panicked uh, brain was going off, what would, what would you yeah. directly say to so me? So I'll say, Allison, um, what's happening for you? What's going on for you right now? Uh, so that I have to describe, like yes. I'm, I'm freaking out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So why are you freaking out? Yeah, because I'm I'm right. gonna, I'm I'm never going to be able to afford all of this. I'm going to be I'm going to be broke. Right. I I don't I, you know right yeah. right. So we need to debunk that all of those things. We need to debunk them before the client goes to mediation because they're not going to be able to process mediation. Mm. Right. So it's that that um, you can see that the lawyer is not a psychologist, but the lawyer is a is a humanistic. Uh, um, advisor that understands what the client is going through. That's what lawyers should do. Not everyone uh, is um, attuned to that, but that that's basically available to clients right, right now, this kind of higher kind of care for the human client, not just, yeah, I need to get you support and here's your number, right? And that's okay too. But for clients that want to have uh, the care of the person that's in front of the lawyer that's available in collaborative negotiation and, and mostly mediation. Um, I would say the practitioners are aware of these things. Again, going back to how parents would take a next step, wh what would you Google to say like, yeah, I love this. I like, you know, Natalie, if, if she's not available, I got to find somebody else that does this. How, what would you, okay, so, how would you yeah, know that's that they were treating Yeah, I think if, if uh, so collaborative negotiation and mediation are, uh, are good methods for that. Um, if they try uh, perhaps interest-based negotiation, interest-based negotiation, uh, that might lead, but uh, it's hard. I guess you'll have to have a call with two or three people and see how, you know, what, what does your gut say about their connection you have. Some clients call me and they, and I want people to call three or four or five lawyers and they call me and they say, Oh, Natalie, I like your approach because you didn't ask me how much I wanted to get in spousal support. You asked me how I feel about this and what's important to me. Right. So it's important. That, and some clients might be very interested in going very factual and right. So there are different types of lawyers for different types of clients. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Just like there's so many different styles of being a human in the world. You got to find your match, right? True. You got to have a match with your professional, whether it's your doctor, your lawyer, your, your husband, your. Right. So uh, I wanted to, I wanted to look back on the difference between uh, collaborative negotiation and lawyer to lawyer negotiation in lawyer to lawyer negotiation. One uh, method that is used uh, very, very, very frequently is a threat to go to litigation. So if you don't take my offer, we're, we're going to start a court case. Uh, as opposed to in collaborative negotiation, that's a big no-no. There's a, there's a rule of engagement. You sign a contract saying you're not going to do that. You're not going to make threats to go to court. If you want to go to court, you have to withdraw from the collaborative process, change lawyers, 
and then go to court. So what, what this does in collaborative negotiation is the client on the other side of me, say, would know that if I'm asking them a question, it's not because I'm preparing my court case to use that against them. I will not be the lawyer taking the case to court. It'll be another lawyer. So it, we try to develop a rapport with the team. I'm always responsible only for my client, but I can advance the case for everybody while servicing my client's interests. I need to know the other person's interests because if I forget the other person's interest, I'm not going to make a deal. I need to know what my client wants. I need to know what the other client wants and see if there is a middle point. So this sounds, uh, what's the success rate? Do you, yeah. do, 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 can you work your skills enough that you can get most people to find that common ground? Or, uh, you know, I, I just, I know even in my therapy practice, you know, you get those couples where they'll spend $20,000 on legal fees to fight over a $7 baseball jacket because that wasn't part of their, you know, uh, right. section seven agreement on expenses or whatever. Right. And you're like, oh my God, I'll pay the $7. Stop talking. But they get so ego entrenched in the argument, in the fight, the principle of it. Yeah. Is... Um, so yeah, clients have a responsibility. They have, you know, they say, oh, you know, it's expensive. You know, lawyers make it expensive. Well, some lawyers do, but some clients do too, right? So clients have to take a responsibility. I, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only person to say this, but if they can, if they can approach this as if it's a business transaction and not have all the emotions and work with the therapist to sort out your emotions, all of your fears, all of your triggers. I can do it because I'm trained. A lot of lawyers are trained in this. A lot of lawyers are not, but I'm expensive. And if I'm mixing up trying to help the client with their emotions and trying to advance their legal case, it's going to be really expensive. So I really encourage clients to work with their therapists and, and process all of their fears and, you know, and then don't fight for the $7. Don't. Yeah. It's really, it's usually, it's like you say, it's got something other than finances related to it. You said ego, yeah, it's not really the right? Point, if you it? said ego, it might be, you know, of course it's hard. Sometimes in, in relationships, people feel like they've compromised too much during their relationship and now they're going to show him or her, right? So they're going to get that really feisty lawyer and show them that they're not this pushover person or they're not going to stand for this anymore. And yeah, you can do that, but just watch the invoices coming in. Yeah, and, and people don't realize how, right? and I don't just mean the legal fees, that's not what I'm talking about at all, but again, when, when I work with families and I'm we're just deciding how to make the family functional and they think they want to get out of the relationship and, and be separated, divorced, and I say, you, you don't stop parenting, you don't stop a relationship, right. like, it doesn't solve all your problems, right. like, <laughs> Let's uh, let's work on the things that aren't working are going to not be working when you're divorced, too. So let's right. get at it regardless, right. regardless. Of yeah. So I want to make sure that it's not being perceived as um, people should compromise all the time. That's not at all what I'm seeing. It's it's really important for people to to create boundaries and, and create, uh, you know, respectful arrangements. So I'm not saying people should should compromise all the time so they're not involved in, in conflict. Sometimes conflict is really important. Because they do have to create those boundaries. They do have to create uh, respectful parenting terms where 
they know when the person is picking up the child, they know when the checks are coming in. Those are respectful things that if the per, if the person on the other side is not doing it, yeah, fight for it and, and get those respectful steps in your agreement. So it's, it's a balance, right? People have to balance out how much fighting, how much acquiescing. It's an individual development. <clears throat> Um, I, but I, I I love your you know if you just can hold on to those core principles of responsibility respect you can't go too far wrong correct you know, correct yeah. yeah anything you want to add Natalie about the kids and how we ensure that they're okay <laughs> and, and any considerations for for the little people yeah so um, I've I've been doing a lot of research in this field and one recording that I listened to uh, when I was doing my research I can't remember the the site but there was a little kid who was recorded to talk about what it felt like when his parents were fighting over Christmas. And it, I, I cried for weeks just hearing this kid saying, you know, my parents have been fighting for three years to get more time with me around Christmas time and this and that. And it was so painful for the kid. He couldn't care less to have one more hour or one more day with the parents. The kid could not care less. The kid wanted peace between the two parents. So when the parents are out there counting, is this 40%, is this 41%, because they want to make a dent on the child support thing? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe the clients, maybe the audience doesn't know, but some people want to have more time with the child to spend, to, to pay less child support. That's hurtful. If it's not genuinely in the best interest of the child to have that kind of, of, of joint parenting arrangement, it's very hurtful for the child. That's what I want to say. Yeah, so, so true. I, I'm now going to look up that clip because I do. I, I love a good cry, but also because I'd love to share that resource. Uh, I'll try to find it for you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And if we can get it, I'll, I'll, I'll put it up in the show notes, as I will with the Julia uh, McFarland. Uh, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put a link up to that in the show notes as well for people. Yeah. And I'll put all your contact information. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to make sure that parents hear? Anything else about you and your work that you want to be able to promote? Let me throw this back to you to, to take advantage of this time. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I, I love helping clients uh, in non-court processes. Um, it's really important for clients to get the right fit of lawyer uh, and other types of professionals. Um, lots of resources online. Make sure that you get it vetted by your lawyer because there's a lot of misinformation as well. First steps when you're separating uh, is not probably what you're going to read online. Don't go and empty the bank accounts and don't go and yank the insurance policies and don't go and, uh, right? Don't do that. Make sure you speak to a lawyer before you take those really harsh steps because they will come back and bite you. They will make the other person more aggressive. So initial first steps are really important and, uh, and, and take control of your file. What, what's your advice? I know what my advice is, but I'd love to hear what's your advice for how you tell to kids because, mm -hmm. you know, part of the timeliness of us having this interview is that I guess COVID was a real stressor on a lot of families, yeah. but also time of year. So, so, so say something about that and about how, what's the best way to finally tell your kids? Yeah. So there's, uh, first of all, don't go cold, prepare. There's a lot of, uh, resources. Your, your, your therapist or psychologist probably has words of wisdom for you as well. 
it's it's better if the two parents are together to say it. It's better if they have the same discourse, the same information provided to the kids. Um, I'm a brainy kind of person. I love to understand how the brain works. So the children will uh, will be upset and they'll they'll have all kinds of questions. And my advice to clients is have two or three short snippets that you keep repeating and don't get, don't get, you know, you don't know where they're going to live. You don't know, you know, two or three snippets. We love you so much. Um, We're going to work together to make this transition the best for you. We love each other. We we just can't live together anymore. Like really simple, simple, two or three snippets you keep repeating. And then, uh, you know, there are methods uh, at the beginning where you can do some nesting, nesting arrangements where the children reside in in the house and the parents go out, uh, you know, come back on the weekend when it's your time kind of thing. So that's a short term, very good arrangement uh, if it's possible. It's almost doesn't matter if you do it perfectly, so long as you're aligned and you're generous with each other, right? Oh, such a, such a good point. I know parents, I really want you to hear this. And again, going back to your earlier thing about Mm. kids just want peace. Yeah. They want calm. They want to see you collaborating and being friends. So, you know, as I said, I've been divorced 12 years and it was uh, collaborative and uh, amenable and we're friends and we're still friends. And I've asked my kids, you know, in hindsight, could I have done anything better? Could I have done, right. were they upset? Of course they were upset. But as you said, you know, we, we told them together and very much followed the, those pro, those gold standard protocols. And my kids say, you know, that was the best divorce ever. Wow. Like that was wow. like, they really, they would say, you guys rock as divorced people. Right. <laughs> right. That's, that's um, true. Very true. You can do, yeah. Kids do not have to be psychologically damaged from a divorce and, and you can do it well. And please use the resources like Natalie's services and, and others that are trained to, to do this well. Um, uh, you know, it's, we are not fated for misery just because we decide that our, our marriage didn't work and we need to move on. Kids can manage that if we do it right in the right way right it's fine true yeah yeah oh last words for you anything oh well um last words so thank you for what you do i and for you and i wish that <laughs> clients together more yeah i wish that clients would not see accessing a therapist or help for themselves as something they can't afford. I think it pays off for clients to be well when they start working in the legal process. So if they need help, they really should get help and it's really uh, well spent. That's what I would like to say is, is be well when you when you access the legal process and everyone will win when that happens. Yeah, and, and so I guess my last words will be people do, do your due diligence so that you get the right process right. and the right training people right. for you. Right. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I will put all the resource links up in in um, up with the podcast and uh, take good care. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you do. Bye. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.